0: The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome back to Know Your Bible, the show where we answer Bible questions. A lot of religious TV programs uh, think that the best way to teach the Bible is to tell you what they think you need to know. Uh, we kind of take the opposite approach and ask you what you'd like to know. So that's why uh, we call it Know Your Bible. You get to decide what we talk about. There's a phone number and a website at the bottom of the screen. And uh, you can get in touch with us anytime. Leave us a message or talk to the operator when they're there. Give them your question. We'll put it in the stack and get to it just as quickly as we can. So. That's what we do here, and we go as fast as we can and answer as many as we can. And when I say we, that means there's three of us. I'm Steve Tandy, and i got a couple of fellows that are eminently qualified to answer questions here. Toby Levering with us. Good morning, Steve. Jeff Martin. Hi, Steve. Morning, Jeff. Glad you're here and ready to go. Our viewers get a question first, so here's your question for the day. In Revelation, it talks about death riding in on some animal what animal does death ride in the book of revelation uh, and we'll give you the answer to that at the end of the program see if you know your revelation doctrine all right uh, toby got a holiday question there. yes
1: uh, <laughs> uh they want to know do you celebrate all the pagan holidays well that's a pretty simple question I guess I, I've never celebrated a pagan holiday <laughs> to my knowledge anyway uh, I do think I understand where the the question is coming from seems a little passive aggressive I'm not sure but um, uh, every holiday on our calendar and our you know has can at, at some point typically be traced back to some sort of pagan origin and some people feel so strongly about that that they don't believe you should celebrate really anything associated with paganism. And I, I understand where that comes from. Um, I think you have to you use a little bit of discernment and wisdom. Uh, for example, uh, Halloween is probably the, the best known one. And there are some Christians who in good conscience just have nothing to do with Halloween. And especially people who've come out of paganism and witchcraft and some things. And they say, man, it is a dark day and it is uh, associated with lots of evil, and I just want nothing to do with that. And I, I completely respect their conscience, and and respect if you're a person of that belief, I I respect that as well. Um, so I understand that. There are some Christians who who say, well, I'm you know I'm, I have little kids, and one wants to dress up as Superman, and one wants to dress up as a princess, and they want to go around and go to the neighbors and ask for candy. Well, uh, they don't have any problem with that either. They, they, that doesn't violate their conscience, and, and they're not worshiping any pagan gods or participating in any uh, witchcraft or sorcery or anything that the Bible forbids, uh, but they don't have a problem with, uh, with celebrating these kind of traditional holidays. Um, so what do you do with that? What, what do you do when you have two people in good conscience who have s- very sincere disagreements? Um, well, there's there's a, a chapter in the Bible that deals a lot with that. Now, in the in the first church, it had a lot to do with uh, Christians who'd come out of some some pretty bad stuff. Some of them would qualify as pagans, and and they involved meat sacrifice to idols and uh, all sorts of things, and they just couldn't, in good conscience eat a meal that they knew had been offered to another god besides the living god besides besides the lord jesus and they just couldn't in good conscience partake of that meal and there were other christians who who knew that that idol was nothing and it meant nothing to them and they had no problem well it's kind of the same thing so read romans chapter 14 that'll help deal with issues of conscience uh, and how we deal with those together Uh, Let's read verses 4 and 5. This is not the totality. You need to read the whole chapter. But uh, verses 4 and 5. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Uh, And, of course, he was talking about there were also people about whether or not you celebrated new moons and sabbaths and all of these kind of things and how that worked out and the principle is number one keep in mind that that person is god's servant it's not your job to judge somebody else's servant okay so when we take our conscience we begin to apply that to other people uh, Romans 14 says that's not the way Christians are to be. So we got to pay attention to that. Second is, we got to respect one another's level of conscience. If you know a person who's come out of a paganism, witchcraft and just some hard stuff, you definitely would not want to do things intentionally to hurt them, violate their conscience, break their faith, uh, discourage them in their faith, or do anything like that. So, we got to respect one another's conscience. we got to not judge one another's servants. And on issues that are disputable, we got to be fully resolved in our own mind and respect that other people might be as well. So, that's a deep subject, but those are some principles to help you through that. But no, I don't celebrate any pagan holidays. So, I
0: hope that answers the question. All right. Who will be on the judgment seat, judgment throne on judgment day? Jesus or God? Uh, I'd kind of like to answer that, yes, uh, Jesus or God, (laughs) because uh, I think when we get to heaven, uh, we're going to finally be able to understand uh, the Trinity and how the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one, but somehow separate also. Uh, Jesus himself said, I and the Father are one. Okay, So I think when we get there, we'll figure that out. Uh, But right now, we can't figure that out. So to answer the question from our human perspective, will it be Jesus or will it be the Father uh, that's on the judgment seat? I think the Bible makes it pretty clear. I'll just read two verses for you and we'll be done. first one is 2 Corinthians 5.10. Uh, Paul said, For me, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done well in the body, whether good or bad. And Matthew chapter 25, Jesus himself said, talking about it, he said, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So, to answer the question, Jesus or the Father, the Bible's pretty clear. Jesus will be doing the judging on that day. All right, Mr. Jeff.
2: Yep, I got a bit of a tough one here. Um, A viewer wants to know can a sex offender go to heaven? Um, And the short answer on this is yes. Uh, but it's worth delving into a little bit because I think I know why the viewer was asking this question. Um, There are many people who find something like that very hard to believe, and that's understandable because there are certain sins that are extremely offensive to us. Uh, There are certain sins that that bother us, and we want uh, those sins to be judged harshly. And it's hard to believe that God would forgive such terrible things. Uh, And in no way is is saying God will forgive these things, condoning these things. Um, These are are terrible. But these sins are covered by the power of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. I'll also say uh, that that if someone has committed sins like this, has has broken the law like this, first of all, on this earth, they should without a doubt be given a punishment that fits the crime. Um, But... Biblically speaking, if they confess, if they repent, if they're baptized into Christ, then his blood covers uh, their sin, even if it's a terrible sin like this. Uh, Let's look at a a verse that will clear this up for us. John first John one nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, So Pretty, pretty obvious there, uh, that, that verse in 1 John, that that is um, a sin that can be forgiven. There isn't a list in the Bible of acceptable or unacceptable sin. Obviously, on earth, uh, there are sins that hold greater consequences, and there are sins that we find uh, very offensive, more offensive than other sins. But in the Bible, there's not a list of acceptable and unacceptable sin. To God, it's all unacceptable, and we need the blood of Christ to cleanse us, so as much as we find it hard to understand and believe in our human minds, uh, sex offenders are offered the free gift of grace, just like the rest of us.
0: all right, good answer, and uh, shows that there's answers in the Bible for <clears throat> every question there is. A great comfort in the Bible, especially at first John one nine verse that uh, Jeff just read, very comforting to all of us who are sinners. Uh, the Bible is God's Word, we believe, and we believe it's worthy of study. Uh, we like to answer questions here and help you know a little bit of your Bible, but uh, the main thing we're interested in is you studying the Bible on your own, and we try to make that easy for you. We've got some tools that we're happy to share with you absolutely no cost to you uh, here's an eight lesson set a course of uh Bible lessons that just give you a good overview of the Bible. Uh, if you don't know anything about the Bible, here's a good way to start. If you know a lot about it, it's a good review. Uh, we've got some other courses that will take you into more depth and a lot of different topics, so we can keep you studying for quite a while with our tools. And we've got some online tools that we're happy to share with you. All you have to do is log on to oneway.worldbibleschool.org. Uh, Sign up for that. They'll get it started for you, and you can study the Bible uh, wherever you are and uh, whenever you want. So if we try to make it easy for you, uh, you'll have to invest a little bit of time and effort, but we think it's worth it to know your Bible a little bit better. Phone number and website on the screen. Just tell tell us you'd like that free course. We'll get it started for you, or if you want the online, just log on yourself and uh, get it going. So study the Bible with us. Uh, let's see who's next, Toby.
1: Yes, sir. Uh, the question is, is there a limit to how many times we can be forgiven for something that we know not to do, but do it anyway? Well, there's two ways to kind of go down this path. So the first I'll say is there's not a limit on forgiveness in Christ Jesus. Um, the, the, the grace that comes through him is uh, unending and I, th- I don't think there's a, a limit to how many times a person can, can sin and be forgiven if they are sincere about it and sincerely trying to uh, leave that sin and, and flee from evil and pursue what's good. I think God wants us uh, to be saved. There is another way of thinking about it where a person could, what I would just say, abuse the grace of God and their mindset would be, well, God's going to forgive me this anyway, so I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Well, that's absolutely the wrong heart and the wrong spirit with which grace is intended. And, you know, you as a, as a, maybe if you're a parent, you understand this. Sometimes you show your children mercy and grace, and, and that can be a beautiful lesson, but if your child, begins to misbehave and just expect you to give that mercy and grace every time and they don't change their behavior at all, then they've misunderstood grace, right? They've misunderstood. Paul says in Romans 6, What shall we say then? Or do we continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it. That's Romans 6, 1. So if you're a Christian, uh, you have died to sin. You have made that commitment that you're going to die to sin and self and live for Christ. You're not going to do it perfectly. You're still going to need grace, and you're going to need it every single day, and that's all right, but your your attitude towards grace and toward the mercy of God uh, should not be an entitled and a, I'm going to do this anyway, and and just look at grace as a get-out-of-jail-free uh that's totally the wrong attitude to have but if you uh are humble and you receive that uh gift and and it affects your life then it will make uh, an impact on yourself and on others um, i'm going to extend the verse that jeff just read let's look at it together first john chapter 1 7 through 9 but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of jesus his son cleanses us from all sin and the word there means continuative action so it's continually cleansing us from all sin if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us but if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness so i would encourage you if you're struggling with the sin find a mature christian that you can confess that to and pray with and i think that'll be helpful in your journey and walk with christ hope that helps
0: all right, viewers got a question about uh, why does Jesus tell us to hate our family? And I imagine about half of our audience, when they saw that, said, well, that's the silliest question I ever heard. Jesus wouldn't say that. Uh, that can't be in the Bible. Well, sometimes we say when we start this program, if there's a specific verse that you've always wondered about, ask us. Well, this is one that's one of those verses. And it's actually in there. It's in Luke chapter 4 and verse 14, verse 26. And Jesus himself said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Uh, So our viewer read that and says, all right, I'm not understanding this. Why does Jesus say to hate our family? Alright, uh, a good way to deal with strange verses like that that just don't seem in the character of Jesus. Uh, and maybe you have a study Bible, there's a verse, a note down at the bottom that will help you or refer you to another verse. Uh, some people have Bibles with cross, cross references in the middle uh, column there. Uh, look and see if there's another verse that corresponds to this verse. And you might find the answer. And that's how this one is solved. Uh, hate your family. It just doesn't sound like Jesus. But the cross-reference will say, uh, look at Matthew 10.37. And you go over there, and Matthew's telling the same story. But he says it just a little bit differently. Uh, the way Matthew records it, Jesus said, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Okay? So we get the clue there. We get the answer. Jesus wasn't saying hate uh, in the sense of absolute hate. He was saying in the hierarchy of things, uh, you love your mother and father, you love your brothers and sisters, you love me, but I have to be at the top. Uh, I have to be the one you love the most even more than your family, so it relatively you hate them compared to your love for Jesus. Uh, Matthews is a lot more understandable, and I like his <laughs> the way he tells it a whole lot better uh, and part of it is that we, especially we here in America, who are blessed with freedoms and uh, religious freedom and all that. Uh, don't really understand this concept because most of us make religious choices and decide to follow Jesus or some other religion, and we don't suffer many consequences. Uh, There are parts of the world uh, still today, and there were back in those days, uh, when you choose to follow Jesus, uh, you have alienated your family. Uh, There are many places today where if a Muslim chooses to follow Jesus, uh, his family will seek to kill him. Okay, So that, then that verse makes sense. You, you've got to love Jesus more than you love your family. So it's not a matter of absolute hate. It's a matter of perspective and loving Jesus more than your family. All right, Jeff. Okay, mine's a little easier than that one. Uh, viewer
2: wants to know, in Second John, how does staying away from unbelievers and sinners help? Um, so I'll answer this from Second John, and then I'll, I'll answer it more broadly. But in Second John, this is a specific group of people uh, that were called deceivers who were going around and preaching that Christ had not risen in the flesh. And so we would definitely want to stay away from people who are, are perverting Scripture and, and the message of Christ. But generally speaking... Um, I can answer this question in a different way. First of all, we're all sinners, so it's very impossible to stay away from sinners. But I believe the viewer is talking about people who are enjoying their sin, who are reveling in their sin. Um, and and when, we, when we surround ourselves with people like that, we can, we can easily morally slip if we spend time with unbelievers who are doing immoral things. Uh, let's look at 1 Corinthians 15.33. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Uh, And A lot of parents tell their children this on a regular basis. Another way of of saying this, and I I use this one on my youth group, is show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Uh, When we hang around certain types of people, we tend to start acting like those types of people, especially if they are unbelievers uh, and, and deceivers when it comes to the Word of God. Now, if you're strong enough... Uh, to, to be around those people and stay holy and to show them a good example of Christ and to, to spread the message of the gospel, then by all means do that. Uh, but if you find yourself slipping morally uh, because uh, you're surrounded by certain types of people, then you need to get out of that situation immediately. So in those cases, it's very beneficial to not associate with
0: unbelievers or sinners in that way. Okay, good answer, Jeff. Thank you. We may me talk uh, just a moment about visiting a Church of Christ. Uh, we do this each week for just a little bit because the Churches of Christ keep us on the air and uh, promote this program and produce it, and we like to thank some of them each week. Uh, our partner up in the South Dakota area, the broadcast there from Sioux Falls, uh, is the uh, Sioux Falls Church of Christ on Southeastern Avenue. Great group of folks up there. Uh, Sioux Falls is a beautiful city and uh, it's growing a lot of people moving there uh, if you're moving to Sioux Falls and want a group of people that uh, study the Bible and uh, believe it a lot like we do here on this program uh, visit the Sioux Falls Church of Christ give them a call find out when their services are and uh, go visit or uh, maybe you know somebody that attends the Sioux Falls Church of Christ uh, tell them you watch Know Your Bible and like this program and appreciate them helping keep it on the air so uh, visit those folks there in Sioux Falls or uh, whatever viewing area you're in there's probably a Church of Christ near you searching for a church home you'd be warmly welcomed Uh, give them a thanks also and tell them you heard about them on Know Your Bible all right Toby's got one here a
1: question about angels we get that Uh, specifically one specific one. uh, How could an angel like Lucifer be created? And if you study any of that, you think about how could Satan or Lucifer, you know, how God knowing what he would do and how he would rebel and how he would go after his children and all of that, why would he create him? And my simple answer to that is at some point, Lucifer wasn't like that at some point, you know, he was good. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us a lot about the backstory of Satan. Uh, we have to read into things. But the basic principle is this. All angels, including Lucifer, had free will and the ability, you know, they're designed to serve God and to do his will. And they have some choice in that matter. When they choose to rebel, they choose to sin and turn away from God. Um, they're punished for that. And uh, the same is true with human beings, although angels are at a higher level than human beings. But, uh, you know, you can think the same thing about why would God create Mussolini and Hitler and all of these kind of people. And the answer to that is they weren't always that way. That wasn't how God intended them to be. That was not his will. That was their will. And that's the that's the key to the free will and that whole uh, thing. So uh, angels have free will is the answer to that. And at some point they chose to do to go against the will of God. And uh, so let's look at a verse from Second Peter chapter two verse four. It says how God deals with this. It says, "For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell." and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. So angels, at some level, we don't know exactly how this works, have the ability to you know, choose and have free will, and with that comes the ability to sin, to defy God, to rebel against God. And, of course, if they do that, then they're going to be punished, which is the nature of God, because he's perfectly just. So. Uh, however and whenever Lucifer was created, uh, he was uh, with the purposes that God had in mind for him were not what Lucifer chose. He chose the wrong way and was punished as such. It's a good lesson for all of us to think about. You know, God has a will for us, but it's up to us whether we're going to choose to be obedient and yield to him fully and completely. Hope that helps.
0: Okay, good answer. Let me add just one thing since. A lot of our viewers know we get a question every once in a while about Lucifer yep. and whether that was really Satan's name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Technically, the Bible doesn't call him Lucifer. Right, right, uh, yeah. But yeah. That's true. the way Toby answered it and the way people talk, everybody knows Lucifer is Satan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everybody thinks they know that.
1: Does that uh, come from the verse that talks about Satan himself appears as an angel of light? Yeah. It, is yeah. the Lucifer
0: is some form of light, I yeah. don't know, remember all the details, yeah. but uh, I think when he was in heaven before he rebelled, I don't think God called him Lucifer. Right, right. You know, yeah. we've, we've kind of assigned that name yep. to him. Don't know what his name was, but yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was Lucifer. All right, let's squeeze one more in here about uh, why do some churches call themselves? Apo- excuse me. That is neat. They call themselves apostolic. There are no more apostles. And our viewers right. There aren't any more modern-day apostles. They've all died out. Uh, churches call themselves apostolic in general uh, because they want to be the church of the apostolic times, specifically uh, the spiritual gifts that were given to the apostles and a few others. So... It's a movement of Christianity or a part of Christianity uh, that believes the way to uh, restore the church, the way to have a uh, dynamic church like we read about in Acts chapter 2 and on is to replicate uh, the miraculous gifts that happened on the day of Pentecost, Uh, the gifts that the apostles received, uh, primary among them being the ability to speak in other languages, uh, so, uh, the Pentecostal or charismatic uh, Christians today uh, believe that that gift is available. Uh, they do something that they call speaking in tongues, which is not speaking in other languages, but uh, they do it and claim it's a gift from God. Uh, many of them try to replicate the gift of miraculous healing, uh, believe that God will miraculously heal people. Uh, prophecies direct from God are taught. So all those are apostolic gifts. So some churches call themselves apostolic and say that because we believe in those gifts that the apostles have. Uh, We personally believe that uh, uh, the Bible teaches that those gifts ended in the first century. They were there for a specific purpose to get the church built uh, but they don't exist today. Uh, They can be counterfeited in some ways but they don't exist. So uh, that's why they use the term apostolic. Some of them do claim there's modern day apostles but uh, in generally not. Alright, we're glad you've been with us today and let's make sure we get our trivia question answered. The book of Revelation's got all sorts of pictures in it and one is uh, death riding in and death was riding on a pale horse Revelation 6 verse 8 actually there were four horsemen but death was on the pale horse. Uh, We're glad you've been with us today and hope you come back next week because we're going to answer some more of your questions until then we just hope you have a great week.